the end of this video and uh, RSVP. Let us know a uh, service you'd like to attend. And we look forward to seeing you guys out there at Connect 2020. Appreciate uh, Van and and B uh, putting that together for us, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, already have that marked down uh, to come to be a part of that conference. In your bulletin this morning, there is a connect brochure, and I encourage you to get that out and uh, read that, read through that. There are signups out in the fellowship hall or in the foyer, and uh, make sure you sign up for the different events as it relates to connect, um, and uh, so that. You know, we can have a good idea of who's going to be here and try to try to work through potentially, hopefully, some problems with our parking. Wouldn't that be nice? And uh, just uh, to have so many folks come to be a part of our conference, and I trust that you plan on doing that. There's several events that are listed in here for you to consider, and um, so you just uh, take the opportunity to read that. And again, thank you to Van and B for putting that uh, together for us. This morning, I wanted to um, read from 1 Corinthians. If you received your message uh, for the next book that we're reading through, that's the book, the book of 1 Corinthians. And um, it's quite a book because it's a reminder that uh, the church gets messy at times. Um, And yet there's God's grace. And that's very, very important for us to understand um, that uh, all of us guys every day probably sin, wouldn't you say? And uh, I'm thankful for the forgiveness of the Lord, thankful for his grace. And this book demonstrates the grace of the Lord in the lives of believers. And so I wanted to read, beginning in 1 Corinthians, I wanted to read the first nine verses of chapter 1. So I'd ask if you... Stand with, with me and we can read together 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 9. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle, a messenger of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth. To those sanctified or set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place, uh, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs, their Lord, and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you know, we'll stand guiltless before God one day. 
only because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful reminder, especially for a church that was, was having a problem or two. Um, what a reminder that um, God is faithful. He's faithful to those that he calls. And uh, I trust this morning that, that you know without a doubt that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That you know him as Savior. And if you do know him as your Savior, I trust that um, it's on our minds every day um, to live for our Lord. Um, one of the things that um, I was thinking about through this, uh, and the Lord had me on my back for a week, and um, that's difficult because I don't like being still. Um, but one of the things the Lord was reminding me about is that very issue of lordship that every day he wants me to submit to him as a believer every day there's not a day or a moment that he does not want me to submit to him he wants everything in my life he wants everything in your life and um, rightly he deserves it so um, let's pray together as we start our service and you know what we get to do today we get to worship the Lord together. All right, let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for the privilege that we have to be in this place today. Thank you for your grace. It's We don't deserve it. But we're thankful. I was thinking, Lord, I remember the first time I was introduced to the gospel of Christ. I was a little boy. And um, I remember it being repeated over and over and over to me again by my family, my friends, by other believers at the church. And I remember the night that I said, I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of the saving grace of Christ. Um, I remember that night. I remember where I was. I remember what took place. Um, and I just remember the rejoicing. I was so excited that I was saved that I could spend an eternity with you. And obviously, at a young age, I didn't understand um, tons of theology. But what I did understand at that point was that you loved me, that you died for me, that you paid the penalty for my sin, and that I needed to trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I did that. And Lord, I just want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you for the recall that I have in that. And for all the moments since, Lord, that you have continually be setting me apart, I thank you for that as well. I thank you for the reminders, Lord, that you give all of us that are in you. Every single day, you remind us of your grace. Every single day, you remind us of the hope. The hope that we have, Lord, that when we shut our eyes here in death, for those of us who are in Christ, we're immediately with 
our Lord, never to be separated from Him again. What a joy that is to know. Lord, I pray that our hearts are prepared this morning to worship You. I pray for the praise team as they lead us. I pray for Dr. Hughley as he um, shares with us from Your Word this morning. Um, Remove any distractions that we might have, Lord, just for these few moments this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Thad. Good morning. It's funny, that the exact path that Thad was going down on sharing this morning is the exact path that I'm on. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was burdened for a member of my family um, that does not know the Lord, and the Lord just, just weighed down on me to share the truth with, with this person. And I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but um, when I share God's truth about salvation with somebody else, it reminds me of what he's done in my own life. I know that sounds a little oversimplified, but isn't it easy to forget? So I thought this morning, um, as we're worshiping together, I want to just walk us through um, the verses that surround our salvation and what God has done for us, just, just to remind us. You guys could probably recite every one of these verses by heart. If I, the minute I say what they are, you'll, you'll be rattling them off. But it's good for us to hear and to remember what the Lord's done. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of that sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You guys can have a seat. This song is called Rescue Story. You're in Christ this morning. This is your story. Each one of us have been rescued from a body full of sin, a life full of sin. We've been rescued from this uh, bondage of sin, and we've been given eternal life. So let's just worship together. Now will I be 
Let's give it a hand, can we? Can we give the Lord a hand? There we go. This Jesus, he said some profound words in John 14, 6. You guys probably know it by heart, but I'm going to say it. Remember the disciples were saying, um, or, or he was telling the disciples, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may also be. And the disciples were like, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way, <laughs> right? Where are you going? We don't know the way. And he simply said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Guys, he was either a lunatic, right? He never occurred in history. Or this man, Jesus, what he said about himself is truth. I pray this morning that you believe that it's true, right? He's the only way to the Father. So let's sing this together in Christ alone.
se complexe. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in heaven's this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones we came to save, till all that cost as Jesus died. chapter 2 verses 6 to 9 Jesus though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross therefore 
God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beautiful name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. 
something a little different real quick. We can give the Lord a hand, guys. We have freedom to do that, all right? Amen. The Lord is good. He's so good. Hard to get through this stuff sometimes. <laughs> um, I've asked a, gather myself. I've asked a few people this morning. We're going to sing that song, It Is Well. We did this song a few months ago. It's kind of a modern rendition of the classic hymn. But as I was preparing for this weekend, I thought about, um, I'm an inquisitive guy, right? So I want to know why about stuff. And I thought, why is it well with our soul? We sing about that all the time, right? And uh, I know for me, as I thought about, well, Kevin, in your own life, um, when you're going through difficult circumstances, when you're going through great circumstances, when you're staring at a mountain and you're in valleys, why is it that truly, according to God's word, you and I can say, Lord, it is well. Why is it that we can do that? So I thought this morning it would be good to have just a few people uh, as part of our body give their own testimony about why it is well with their soul, why it has been, why it is now, that kind of thing. I didn't direct them on what to say. I just asked them to give testimony. So uh, I believe Ron's going to come up, and uh, Miss Aaliyah is going to share first, and then we're going to share with a couple of other people and go from there. So, Thanks. Oh, she already had the mic. I feel like a lot of people have heard my testimony recently, but I have a policy of never turning down an opportunity to testify to what the Lord has done, so here we are. Um, when I grew up, my mom was a believer, and my dad was not. Um, and he grew up in a Christian family and walked away from the church in high school. And so my mom taught us about the Bible, took us to church. I became a Christian at a young age, but my dad was never involved in any of that, and honestly, he really wasn't involved in my life at all. He was at home, but he was always working, um, which I found out later meant a lot more than going to work. Um, he was an alcoholic. He was involved with drugs. Um, he had several affairs. Um, he missed the birth of my sister because he was in a club, and I don't mean a chess club. Um, so he was, and he was running from the Lord. He was actively running from the Lord, and he would tell you he probably believed in God, but he didn't want anything to do with him. Um, and so uh, when I was in fifth grade, he finally left. He left several times, but he left for good that time. And after that, we really didn't see him very much. He made sure in the divorce that um, he got to have us every other um, summer and every other Christmas, but he would, you know, make plans and then not show up. Um, and so we just really didn't have much of a relationship with him. My mom was a single mom for my whole life, and, or the rest of my life, and she... He struggled to make ends meet and everything, and he didn't get any child support. He was just absent. And um, when I was in college, he had a heart attack. And then he had another heart attack. <laughs> and two heart attacks will make you reconsider your life choices. <laughs> so he uh, moved back to where his family was, and his family are Bible-believing, solid Christians. And he ended up um, coming to know the Lord at the age of 55. And he started going to church with his parents and um, was still recovering from his heart attack. He ended up on disability. He never really could work full-time after that. Um, and he, um, at my graduation, told us that he was going to enroll in seminary because he wanted to make up for lost time. 
and to learn about um, the Bible for really the first time. And during um, my college years, he, well, after he became saved, he called my mom and he confessed to everything that he had denied for, you know, 20 years. Um, he asked her forgiveness and he, he kind of started trying to reach out to me a little bit, but honestly, I think he felt like um, he really couldn't, that he didn't deserve a relationship with, with us, with me and my sister. And, um, but I, because God is sovereign, had already um, gone through a Bible study a few years ago in my church and had gone through a Bible study specifically on forgiveness. And the Lord had really convicted me. I needed to forgive him, even though he was still in a place of rebellion and not interested. That, that It was on me to forgive. It was not on him to, to earn forgiveness. Um, so by the time he actually um, came to a place where he was walking with the Lord and was interested in pursuing a relationship, I was, I was ready. You know, I, God had set that up so that I was excited about that. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was hard. It was painful. Um, you know, to see him start teaching Sunday school classes uh, when he never would talk to us about the Lord, you know, my entire childhood. Um, but, but we worked through it, and we developed this relationship. And um, so he ended up going to seminary. He ended up getting his bachelor's in, um, I don't know, theology, something. Um, and then he got his master's, and uh, then he started working on his doctorate. And now he is um, in the middle of his dissertation um, to become, uh, in, his dissertation is in church history. And so in the, in the middle of all of that time, so about the time when I got married to, to now, we have been able to really develop a relationship for the first time um, and able to um, talk about spiritual things and, and talk about the Bible. And I'll ask him, well, what does this passage mean in Hebrew? Because now he speaks Hebrew. I don't know. Um, so he can, like, tell me stuff. And he can, he can be, you know, the, the spiritual mentor that God always wanted him to be and, and that he's, you know, able to step into his role. And... Um, when a few years ago he started having um, breathing problems and his lungs apparently were calcifying, the doctors don't know why. Um, he had to have a lung transplant, just a little, two, a double lung transplant, um, a little over a year ago. And um, during that time, you know, of course, it's a, it's a very traumatic um, surgery. And so I went to spend a week with him while he was after the surgery and he was still in the hospital. And so there wasn't a lot to do. Um, but I wanted to be with help him and give my stepmom a chance to go back to work and somebody still be there with him. And so um, I was like, well, do you want me to, to read you the Bible? Like, I don't know. Um, I didn't bring, like, other things to do. So, so I ended up reading. He was like, yeah, we well, read John. And so I ended up reading through the book of John with my dad, and we, like, studied it together for that week that I was there. And it was the first time I'd ever gotten to study the Bible with my dad. And it was amazing. And I've never been able to say that without crying. <laughs> because praise the Lord that he gave me that. He didn't have to give that, but he did. And, um, and so when he was asking, you know, well, how's it well with your soul? There's so many things I could testify to. I, I could testify to my, my cancer journey. I could testify to when we lost our job a few years ago. And so many things that I could praise the Lord for. But I feel like so many, so many of us have family members who are not walking with the Lord. Um, I still have several very close family members who are... Um, actively sprinting from the Lord as fast as they can. And I have such a peace. Um, I pray for them, and I, I grieve for the time that they're losing um, with the Lord that they could be spending in fellowship with him. And, you know, I want to share truth like you're talking about, but I don't 
worry because if if you think there's somebody in your life that that, that is beyond salvation, like let me just tell you some more stuff about my dad. You know, like I mean, he was the one that you would put on the list of like, nah, he's 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 too far gone, guys. Like it's okay, he'll just not make it. Um, but he did. But the Lord took my dad, who, you know, was was doing everything he could to rebel, and and just grabbed him and said, I will not let you go. And so that's what I believe for, for the rest of my family members who are not saved and my friends and everything. And, and that's my encouragement to you guys, that you just keep praying. My grandmother prayed for my dad for 55 years that he would become a believer, that he would walk with the Lord. She saw him walk away. She saw the terrible things that he did, and she never stopped praying. And he will tell you to this day that her prayers are one of the things that brought him to the Lord. Um, and, and my sister and I and my mom, we prayed for him growing up, and you know, he never darkened the door of a church. But you just never know. Nobody's story is over yet. So it's well with my soul, and it can be well with your soul because God is sovereign, and he, he won't let us go. And we never know when that story is over. Many of y'all don't know me, but, um, and I'm totally out of my comfort zone being up here. But um, my parents, I couldn't have sent up mass for two godlier parents. I mean, before I was born, you know, I was born into a loving Christian family that demonstrated God's love and taught me and my brother what God's love was. They totally demonstrated that to us. And then I accepted Christ at a very young age. And through that, godly principles were put in my lives, and we were exposed to things. And one of the things was, I'm just fascinated with Joshua when they went into the Promised Land. And when they crossed over the Jordan, they said, God told Joshua to tell them, take out 12 stones and set these up as a memorial. And that so when your kids and grandkids come back, they can look at this and know that God was faithful. And that was kind of something that came into my mind. And then when Joellen and I got married, we um, started out, we had a, what we called a blessing box. It was a hat box she brought into the marriage. Um, she never wore a hat, so I don't know where the box came from. But anyway... <laughs> And we would set it up on top of the TV. Maybe that's a contradiction, putting a blessing box on the TV. But <laughs> whenever God answered a prayer, we would stick a slip, slip of paper in that box, and we could remember, hey, God was faithful. And it's still to this time, it is something that we don't do that anymore, but it just resonates. It set a standard to remember and mark when God was faithful. And through that, um, in the last couple of years, both of my parents have experienced some health issues, and because of that, it is evil. It's, it's not easy when your parents go through health issues, but we know who God is, and God is sovereign, and if our relationship with him is where it should be, then even though I was at a doctor's appointment with mother earlier this week, and um, it was a third or fourth floor, the wind was blowing, and I could see the tops of the trees. You know, they were moving a lot, and it just brought my mind, you know, if God, if I'm with him grounded, that tree is not moving down there. But if I step out on my own, that tree is going crazy up on the top. But if I'll stay with God down close on the ground and be grounded with him, then in my relationship's going to be where it needs to be and not going to have the confusion, the anxiety, and things like that, because God tells us that in 2 Corinthians, he will comfort us in our afflictions. And that 
afflictions comes in many forms sickness, relation problems, financial problems. But God has said that he'll be faithful and he's proven that in my life. think it's bad because he was up here. How about me? <laughs> uh, I'll just say that uh, is I'm convinced that uh, I went to church before I was born. Any of y'all do that? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't remember a time when my brother and I and my parents were in church. And uh, I knew about God and we uh, moved around here in Alabama some. And, uh, finally we kind of settled over in Palmerdale and we were worshiping at uh, Methodist Church. And uh, back then, we had, uh, usually in the summer, a series of uh, sermons, and uh, we called it revival. Y'all know what revival is? And so one, uh, one of those times, we had a existing evangelist, and he wanted to meet with the youth in the basement. And so I'm down there. And uh, I don't remember what he said. I just remember when he uh, dismissed us to go up to the service that uh, he pulled me aside. I don't know why he chose me. But he asked me, he said, don't you think that tonight would be a good time for you to ask God to forgive you through Jesus Christ and make a public profession of your faith? And I, I couldn't say anything but yes. And I will tell you that the minute I said yes, I knew what happened to me. And so uh, at the end of the service, I did go forward and uh, make a public profession. And after that, I was baptized and been seeking to follow him ever since. And uh, I don't know that man's name. but And I hadn't tried to find out. I'm sure he's in heaven. But I have asked... Jesus two or three times to tell him thank you for me. And so he had a tremendous impact on my life in addition to our parents who were always with us in church and has given us me a wonderful Christian wife and uh, three children that are all Christians and their spouses are Christians have eight grandchildren, they're all believers. God is good all the time. Thank you. Guys, thank you. Um, thank you, each one of you, for sharing. It's good to hear of the goodness of the Lord in our lives, right? It's so good to hear that. I mean, my wife at the women's conference recently said it was so good to hear testimony of the Lord's work. Um, a few weeks ago, I was reading um, Philippians 4, 6. You probably know that one by heart, too, but I'm going to read it. Um, it says, give me, give me one second here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. And the key about that is, a brother reminded me a few weeks ago, what it says before that. Do you guys know what that says? I didn't, and he reminded me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Your reason must be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So it's well with me today because the Lord is with me, right? And if you're in Christ today, the Lord is with you. So we're going to sing this song, It Is Well.
I know it's February, and I haven't stood up and told this church body I love y'all yet this year. And I thank God for each and every one of you. It is well with my soul because in 1979, God took a hold of me and changed me from within. I accepted a holy God and a Savior which I knew nothing about at the time. And I was scared to death. But inwardly, I knew I need to be changed. I was rotten. A lot of people think I am now, but I was rotten. And God took a hold of me, and he changed my life. He gave me purpose, and I realized where my eternity was. I realized who God was, and I wanted to be a better husband. I wanted to be a better father. I wanted to be a better friend, and I wanted to serve the Lord in any way I could. And he put me around some wonderful brothers and sisters that I needed at the time to help me grow because I knew nothing. I knew nothing. And over the years, I, I've grown some, but God has still got me around a, a lot of wonderful brothers and sisters that I'm thankful for. And I am, I don't brag on him, he's my friend, but he's my pastor. I love my pastor. And I love him for the way, and I love his dear wife, too. But I love him because he teaches the word. But the main reason it's well with my soul is, is because of the word. I can read the word. I'm not a real educated guy, but I can read it. And God gives, gives me an understanding of it. He gives me understanding that I need to trust him. I love all of y'all, but my trust is strictly in him. And I know that he's out for my, my good, no matter what happens to me. And he's going to get me through it. And his promise is that he'll never put on myself and any of y'all no more than what we can handle. And boy, it gets... It gets tight sometimes, but God, 
is faith. He's loving. He's a holy God. He's a sovereign God. And my trust is in him, not man. I was almost afraid to get up, thinking there might be another testimony. <laughs> the great head of the church wanted us to hear these words this day and how grateful we are to have heard your testimonies. And as you were giving them, I was thinking of the fact that in many places on planet Earth today, there are places where people cannot give such a testimony because they have never heard and that's what missions is all about we pray that God will use our missions conference and stir our hearts to be involved to pray to give and to go as the Lord may lead I'd like you this morning to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 67 Psalm 67, a while back as I was reading through the scriptures and seeking some words of comfort and help and blessing from the Psalms, the Lord called me to light upon Psalm 67. Every preacher and teacher of the word knows when God seems to be nudging him in a particular direction. At the time I was reading and began to study this psalm, I had no idea that I would be appointed to speak this morning. Hopefully then we're being led of the Spirit as we contemplate these great words. They're words of a prayer hymn. Here's how they read. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that thy way may be known on the earth thy salvation among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou wilt judge the people with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Let's pray. We're grateful to you, Father, for your word today and the wonderful privilege of fellowship with friends and others of like precious faith. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. And as we contemplate them today, we pray that you will enhance our understanding. You'll motivate our wills to act in accord with your promptings, the promptings of your Spirit. Bless us here, not because we are worthy of blessing, but we are ever needful, Lord, of your blessing. 
We ask this in the name of our Savior with thanksgiving. Amen. I was seated in the auditorium period of a grammar school at about the age of 12. Before us, a slender man was speaking about a faraway place about which I knew very little. All of a sudden, he threw some wooden objects to the floor, and I can almost hear the clumpity-clump-clump as those wooden objects hit the floor. And what was happening in my life. I didn't know it at the time, but I was getting the beginning of an education that would be enriched over the years. The speaker that day was a missionary from China. The objects he threw to the floor were wooden gods, and he threw them to demonstrate that the false gods had no power. And for me, as I heard about China, this was the beginning of a mission education that hopefully would grow through the years. Though I was not a believer, to the best of my knowledge, he was the first missionary I had ever seen or had ever heard. In time, I moved to another city, Birmingham, to live for a while with my father and stepmom as I would be finishing high school. I got involved in a church that had a wonderful youth program. And God helped me to grow. And I heard about other missionaries, home and foreign. And my mission education was growing. In time, I enrolled in a school. You've heard something about it. I think some 15 or more of you here today were students at one time in that school, Southeastern Bible College. And I had a professor there that was a missionary to India. I had another professor who'd been a missionary to China. And I didn't know it at the time, but that good man in time would become one of the great prayer warriors behind me as I would later begin a teaching career in that particular school. So I began to learn more fully about missions. And as I got introduced to the book of God, I began to discover that it is a missions book from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. The passage that I read this morning, according to George Peters, one of the great biblical theologians of the 20th century, in my judgment among the finest, he contends that this is one of the missionary psalms of the scripture, and it's part of the great missions motif just in the wor books of the psalms as well. And in this portion of scripture, what do we have? We are calling it a prayer for global missions. This passage of scripture shows us the heart of God. God desires global praise, and that's where we come in because we, in announcing the gospel to our friends, neighbors, people we meet, we, in supporting missions and praying for missions, having a missions conference to promote missions is all a part of 
soul. Some of my classmates were going to Nicaragua, Mexico, Panama, Germany, France, even Afghanistan, Colombia, Cuba, Brazil, and many other nations. But what about me? Where was I to go? God had been building in my heart an interest in missions as a student. And, of course, I met a lovely young lady that would become my wife. And we were praying about what God wanted us to do. And providentially, God sent a missionary speaker from a mission agency in Alaska called the Central Alaska Mission. Vincent Joy was the head of that mission, and Sharon's aunt was a member of that mission agency. And he later sent, and by the way, that speaker spoke to Barb's heart. A later speaker was a man named John Gillespie, the head of what was called the Arctic Missions Incorporated. God used him to stir my heart. And then there was Don B. Scheidler. We'll have missionaries here that are part of a bond once called Gospel Missionary Union. And we heard more fully of needs and opportunities in Alaska. We corresponded with three mission personnel in Alaska. We begin to pray, God, if you don't want us to go there, take away this interest. We spent 12 wonderful years there in the children's home. And as a church planter developer and helping to establish a Christian camp ministry. And one of our missions teams this summer is going to that very camp to help with construction needs there. And they're inviting people to join. And I hadn't been on a missions trip in a long time, but as I'm hearing about Alaska, I'd like to go back. I'll talk more about it a little bit later. But in this passage of Scripture before us, Psalm 67, a prayer for global mission. It unfolds in three, three divisions. First of all, in verses 1 and 2, you have the prayer's appeal to God. And this is on the outline summary that you have in your bulletin. Secondly, in verses 3 through 5, we have emphasis on the adoration of God. And then in the remaining verses, it is an aim for God. How do we fit in? I love the theme of our missions conference. I've been trying to learn all I can about that missions conference. Because of my work schedule now, I've not been able to attend in recent times the missions committee meeting. But I pumped some of the members to get information, and I love that theme. Amen. My son came to me over here this morning to encourage me, Harley. He slipped over and said, Dad, uh, is there a certain time I need to say amen? 
<laughs> and I said, we can say amen in our, in our silence, but uh, sometimes it's timely that we come forth with an amen. This passage helps us to connect with God in behalf of the conference. My goodness. I've had two prayers already from the pastor this morning, one in private and one in public. I told one fellow who was saying, I'm praying for you. I said, well, if I flop, you didn't pray enough. <laughs> Let's finish first of all. And by the way, I'll come to it later, but the office staff has kindly printed the names of all of the missionaries who are going to be with us for the conference. We appreciate that, Connie, and also Amanda. Thank you so much for your kindness. I asked them to do that, and I'll come back to that before the message is over this morning. But please notice first this appeal to God. It is a word from Moses' writing in the Numbers. God be gracious, bless us, cause his face to shine upon us. That's a remarkable statement. And it comes from Numbers chapter 6, verses uh, 32 through 30, 22 through 36, I think it is. In that portion of Scripture, Moses is speaking to Aaron and his sons. And he's helping to prepare them for ministry to the people. And he says, God, call your face to shine upon us. Spiritual leadership being touched in order to minister to the needs of people. Notice the appeal here. God, be gracious. God's grace and mercy implies, among other things, the forgiveness of sins. Is anyone here today, you've never believed in Christ as your Savior? You've never had your sins forgiven. You've never had the blood of Christ applied to your need. Today would be a wonderful day. For by grace are you saved, the Scripture says. It'd be a wonderful time to turn that over that need over to the Lord, also for the ministry of Scripture. And David's word, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He was able to say that because of the grace and mercy of God that had come upon him. When William Carey left England for India in the 1790s, as the first of the Baptist missionaries from that country. He said to his colleagues, yonder in India is a gold mine. I will go and dig, but you at home must hold the ropes. And dig he did. When David Livingston, um, um, when William Carey died, he had helped and given guidance to translators of the scripture in over 35 languages of India. He himself was conversant in many of those languages. And when he died, 
three, some 300 million people had access to the Word of God. What a blessing. Yonder in India, in ancient times, when a petition was made to a king and he was favorable, the saying was, his face shines upon us. And what a word it is. We're on the verge, I believe, of a great missions conference. I believe it in my soul. We're on the verge of a great conference. We love the theme and the hard work of the missions committee to connect with God. And right now, we're in the prayer and the planning stage. So there's an appeal for God's grace and God's way. Where is God's way? Don't miss verse 2. That thy way may be known on the earth. There's some ten global references in the psalm. Peoples, the earth, nations. God wants global praise, and he does not receive that global praise until someone goes to tell them what a blessing. Global missions is a spinoff of blessing from God. And how blessed we are in our church, our pastoral leadership, missions leadership, teaching leadership, youth leadership, children's leadership, ministry outreach, the jails and prisons, the Salvation Army services, and on and on I could go. We're rich in our church. We are a mission-minded church. We want God's way to be known the places of the earth. God's way is being challenged in our times over a million Muslims declare there is no God but Allah and Mohammed is his prophet. They think Jesus is a corruption. You Christians got it all wrong. He was a prophet, yes, but not the son of God, the savior of the world, and certainly no part of the deity. But it's thrilling as I stand before you this morning, God is saving people from within the Muslim world. He's saving them. Over a half billion people say that Buddha is the way. Buddha. You can meditate long enough. You can discover the insight that you need and be relieved from your suffering. Millions of Hindus today with their 330 million gods, the textbooks tell us, are challenged to this way. So are all the wisdoms. I could name a whole list of them this morning. I don't know if you ever read any of the writings of Vance Havner, preacher of a generation ago, but Vance Havner said all of these isms ought to be wisdoms. He got it right. They need to be wisdoms. But the glorious way of our Savior is being proclaimed. The last report I had, some 300,000 people are taking the gospel to other tribes, other nations, 
of the people of their lands. God's glorious way needs to be seen and heard. The message of him who said, I am the way. I am the truth. And no one gets to the Father except through me. Now notice also in that appeal, thy salvation among all nations. Again, where? Again, remember, ten allusions in the text to the earth and the peoples of the earth. It's an Old Testament version of what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, and in the Greek it's ethne, which means all the tribal groups, all the cultural gatherings of people. For more than what we call nations today, they rise and fall from generation to generation. But there are the ta-ethne, the people groups of the earth that need to hear. Over a hundred language groups in Russia alone. Over 6,000 language groups in the world. A little more than 3,000 of them have the scriptures in their own language. And blessed be God for Brother Bob and his good wife in giving the Holy Scriptures to a tribal group in the Philippines. Missionaries went there. Salvation. But there's a second vision in this portion of Scripture. Its adoration of God is summarized in verses 3 through 5, and 3 and 5 are repeat verses on. The praise expressed, wow. One of the missions trips I went on was down to Bolivia, where Dean and Linda labored for many years, and I met Ayare. I think I can tell you something we did for the IRA while I was there on that missions trip. Those dear people needed some public facilities. I won't say more than that. But yes, with a shovel, I helped dig places in the earth to facilitate what those IRAs need. What they needed at that time. And in the trips I've been on, God has blessed me. I've heard the Hungarians sing the praises of Jehovah God. I've heard the Romanians sing. I've heard the Russians sing. You know, I tell you, when you hear a great Russian choir like I've heard, it'll make you worship God even though you can't understand the language. I've heard the Kikuyus in Africa sing. And listen, they put it all over us. They dance for joy when they sing. They can't be still. I've heard other language groups, the Ukrainians, the Japanese, the Latinos. What language will we sing in heaven? I have no idea. But there's still places on planet Earth where people cannot sing the praises of God, cannot adore him. God wants more missionaries. Why? He's jealous for his glory and his majesty to be heard and expressed in the places of planet Earth. Lord have mercy.
God doesn't want his glory hijacked. We've got so many isms and so many political movements and so many things in our time that are challenges and wanting to hijack. In ancient times, the Caesars began to refer to themselves as our Lord and God Caesar. Kings, wicked kings like Manasseh in the Old Testament, wicked queens like Jezebel who hated Elijah so much, she said, I'm going to kill him. But it didn't happen. He died. Read the story. Elijah went up in a whirlwind of fire to heaven. I asked an artist friend of mine one time, please draw me a picture of Elijah going to heaven in a chariot of fire. Oh, my goodness. What a story that would tell. We have politicians in our time who think it's all right to kill the unborn. One of them I heard on television talking about after the baby had been born, it was possible to let him die. And I thought in my heart of hearts, God Almighty is going to hold you accountable in the future. The millions of little ones. We live in a time when they're trying to redefine marriage in the family when they're saying that the gender confused should teach our children nonsense. Institutions and peoples are trying to win away our young people. Evolution taught in the schools, it all just happens. Wow. That little one-cell animal, uh, uh, one-cell, what's the thing to call it? Evolutionists point back to a little one-cell that somehow wiggled and began to grow some arms and legs. It's remarkable. It takes more faith to believe that nonsense than what the Bible has to say. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. They're teaching us about humanism, which is glory to man in the highest, not glory to God. Relativism. They tell us there are no absolutes, and that declaration itself is an absolute. What nonsense is going on in the world? Materialism. The dollar sign is not where it's at, young people. Don't forget that. Secularism. All of that in atheism is standing in the way of global praise. But God is not bound. The word of God is still sharper than a two-edged sword. And we're called upon to preach that word. God desires global praise. Look at the benefits experienced. You notice here in the scripture, looks like the wind has blown my passage away. Let the nations be glad. Thou will judge the people of uprightness and the nations on the earth. He'll do all of that and more. The benefits, that's the result of missions, result of Bible teaching in our society. It's a result of churches like ours preaching and teaching the word. And saints coming to experience the control of the Holy Spirit. Would you go with me in your imagination? 
I'm going to a period of time prophesied in the scripture. The Bible talks about all of us appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. We're looking on. Up steps David Livingston. And I can almost hear a chorus of praise from countless tribes, Africans. He helped to open up Africa in the 1800s to the inrush of missionaries of the cross. Up steps C.I. Schofield of Schofield Bible fame. He was instrumental in the founding of what was once called Central America Mission, now Camino Global. And they have missionaries all over the Spanish-speaking world. What a thrill. And I can hear them expressing their thanks and their praise. And the Europeans have come nation by nation. Bob Evans has just stepped up. To be evacuated before the judgment seat. Who was Bob Evans? He was a soldier during World War II. And he saw the great need of the European nations after the war. And he came home and he helped to found the Greater Europe Mission that has reached so many nations in that part of the world. Up ship steps J. Hudson Taylor and a host of Chinese and Asian people will thank God and praise him that J. Hudson Taylor had China on his heart. He lived to see over 700 missionaries in all of the major provinces of China during his lifetime. An unusual man faith, an unusual man of God. You may not have heard Sheldon Jackson, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. He was a Presbyterian missionary in North America back in the 1800s. When this man died, he had helped to establish over 800 churches in the Northwest and in Alaska, there's a college in Alaska named for him. Well, thank God for the Billy Grahams, the Billy Sundays, the Peter Cartwright, and the great African-American preachers of an early time in our country, Samuel Oakham, John Jasper. Oh, John Jasper was so original. I loved to read excerpts of his preaching. In one of his sermons, he ends it with saying, he's describing his entryway into heaven, and he says, Angel, throw open that door. John Jasper's coming in. And many will go in because of our support and our prayer. One of my claims of fame is I share common ancestry with Donna. Where's Donna? Is she here today? There you are, dear sister trying to hide behind a fellow in front, in front of you. I, I knew I'd get you if I could get you. All right. Thank you, dear sister. Don and I share a common ancestry. We're about seventh or eighth or ninth cousins somewhere along the line. 
but back some seven or eight generations ago, two men called Huguenots, they left France and went up to Amsterdam and sailed to America. Why did they come here? Because they knew of God's blessing in this country and they wanted to worship the Lord as they pleased. And they didn't have that option at that time in the country of France. Many of the Huguenots lost their lives and many of them migrated to other nations. But thanks be to God they came and we praise the Lord for the fact that we still have some religious liberty in our country. Now I concede that the ultimate answer to verse 7 in our passage and other verses there allude to the millennium. We won't have the perfect will of God done on planet earth until the millennium is here. And some commentators do emphasize the millennial aspects of this passage. But great Bible scholars like Spurgeon and others that I have consulted, along with George Peters. George and I studied under George Peters. George, I, I got an A in my course. What did you get? Oh. You know what apocryphal means, don't you? We'll draw the curtain of charity over George's comments, all right. But I had the honor of study under him, not at Dallas, but at Trinity Seminary. And what a great he was. Now we've looked at the appeal to God and the adoration of God. Let's notice now in verses 6 and 7, it's aim for God. What was in the prayer? And by the way, this was a song sung and led by Asaph. Who was Asaph? Well, he was an ancient brother who is like our own choir leader here. Sometimes I tease him and call him Asaph because he carries on in the great tradition of reading the songs, but this would be a song that the ancient Jews sung, a prayer, an Old Testament hymn. The prayer hymn reminded the hearers and later hearers and Bible interpreters and readers of God's blessing, God's blessing and promises. Now, the Verse says, let all the earth has yielded its produce. God, our God blesses us. The early reader and hearer of that would think agriculture. We know from a statement in the book of Ruth, when Naomi had heard of God's blessing again on her homeland, she spoke of God visiting his people. The lands were once more agricultural. But I believe there's a spinoff from this passage. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. Now I begin to think of some of the blessings we have in our lands because of the earth. I thought of the coal that fired 
great engines of industry and made our city famous in its history. I thought of the woods and stones and bricks for our home. I thought of the iron and steel that build structure into our great buildings. Yes, I thought of uh, families in our church that work in the steel industry, cotton for garments, grasses for our livestock, glass for our eyes and our windows, gas to warm our homes, all to fire our engines, great waterways to turn the turbines that generate our electricity, gold and silver like our wealth, plastics of a hundred varieties. And who could name all of the medicines that come from the earth that God has used to bless us and it has driven missionary doctors and nurses to take the healing arts of the lands. All of this a result of blessing that God has sent our way. How we thank God for the blessings that we have and enjoy in our land. So in God's blessings, there is purpose. Notice how verse 7 ends. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. I mentioned that Barb and I were praying for God's guidance. He had used Vincent Joy, John Gillespie, Don Tyler to give us guidance. We thank the Lord for the opportunity we had those years in Alaska. And I thank him for those years I had the opportunity to teach God's word and teach missions courses and to take some 27 missions trips with students many countries of the world. And I remembered that time when Barb and I and our little son Paul began a ten and a half day missions trip, trip to Alaska, 5,100 miles in a little blue and white Chevrolet station wagon. Every missionary has a story. Every missions-minded church has a story. What story does God want us to have in our church this year? Now, why did I ask the secretaries to list the names of all of the missionaries coming? Hang on a minute. I'll tell you why. How are we going to apply all that we've heard this morning May I suggest three specific things. First of all, pray. Pray. Pray about this coming missions conference. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, it says, Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. As the Lord tears in his coming, the present generation of missionaries will go to their heavenly rewards. What about the younger generation? Is God speaking to some of you? 
is God going to raise up another David Henkel from our church? Is God going to raise up another, another of the cell family? I happen to know that our brother was a police officer in the past. And God spoke to him as a missionary. And he went out and learned another language. And today is wonderfully teaching and discipling so many. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth workers. There's a second thing I suggest that you do. And that word can be partnership. And in this regard, I want you to turn to a couple of important teachings in the book Philippians. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 4 of, uh, first of all, chapter 1 of Philippians, and then we'll look at a couple of references in chapter 4. Now, I do know where Philippians is. It's just taking me a minute to get to it, all right? In Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Verses 3 through 5. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day till now. Some translations say partnership. But again, to refer to Dr. Peters, great mentor and teacher. He tells us that this word is the richest word, kononia, in the New Testament to spell out the relationship between churches and the missionaries with which they are in partnership. We want to enrich that partnership and learn more fully from our missionaries and pray for them and enter into their ministries. Partnership, pray partnership, and another, proclaim, Mark, oh, sorry, one other on, on partnership. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 15 and following. Philippians 4, and you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Philippian church helped the missionary financially. What did Paul say about it? For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself. I seek for the profit that increases to your account. But I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I'm amply supplied, having from received from Epaphroditus what you sent. What's he talking about? The financial support. What does he call it? Don't miss it in the passage. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God is proper that we generously share. I wondered whether I would tell you what I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to do it anyway. Recently, Julie and I 
give to several missions projects other than those through the church. But we made decision to increase our giving to missions in our church. We're people of very modest means. You'd smile if you knew all the details. And we have significant obligations. But by the grace of God, as an act and step of faith, we're going to increase. What would happen if just 50 of us increased our giving to missions? We could expand our missions program and reach significantly and partner with more missionaries. Proclaim is the third Mark sixteen fifteen. Now this list, I mentioned one of the things we should do. I want to challenge all of us this morning to take this list home. And by the grace of God, between now and missions conference, I'm going to pray every day for every one of these missions. Do you realize that prayer is hard work? It takes time. But who knows what God might do if we take these before the throne of grace and pray God's blessing on these people. God blesses us that the ends of the earth may hear. Let's pray. Thank you for your word, Father. Bless us by your spirit and have mercy on us. And give us the great missions conference that we desire for your glory. Strengthen our prayer ministry. Enlarge our giving. Strengthen our partnership. And as you may lead, will you raise up more from our congregation to go to take the places of Bob and his good wife and others, Lord, who are here today and will be here with us in the conference. Send forth workers, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Guys, y'all can remain seated. We're going to close with a song called Second Chances. Y'all heard it a few times. But in light of uh, what Dr. Hughley was talking about, I was thinking about, you know, maybe there's somebody that thinks, um, you know, uh, I've got too many problems in my life or I've got some sin I'm struggling with uh, that would keep me from serving what the Lord wants me to serve or doing the things that Dr. Hughley just talked about, being involved with missions. So let this song minister to you if you're that person because God is a God of second chances and he's always just a prayer away. Yo 
offers the chance to rewind you in a sense, reborn, perfect as a child. For your cross, it changes everything. There my world begins again with you. Oh, your cross is where I hope we start. A second chance is heaven's heart. When sin and ugliness collide with redemption's kiss, you Awakens my romance Always inside this mess I have found forgiveness Mercy is infinite as you For your cross it changes everything so humbled, Lord, by the reality that you've set us, Lord, through Jesus Christ. So, Father, we ask that this week um, that we would walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling that you placed upon us, Lord. 
sort of the words of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Um, let us remember that this life is only the beginning of the beginning. Lord, we have so much to look forward to, God. Pray you'd help us to walk with you this week. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name.